it's actually morning and welcome to your daily game face with dr kim lannon i am dr kim lannon and i'm here with covid free lou blasey do you like that i rhymed that covid free lou blasey yeah that's kind of, okay well i'll give it to you, you weren't paying attention i was paying attention i saw you not paying attention the rhyme didn't hit me initially <sighs> forget it <laughs> what um so yay covid for you yes so you so you did have it oh that's that's what they tell me okay that's what but, the test told but me it's been a nice long period of time and you feel much better yes and you made it through yes see i was convinced for the past four weeks you had it i know we talked about it what a week ago on the show yes yeah but you know but i didn't actually see you in person thank you <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad so um it's uh middle and i gave of... you the option today we could have done this remotely well, I, I'm fine. Yeah, I know, I you understand. you have you have gone way above and beyond your time. I know, but there are people out there that are you know you know You're lighting up the pit, the torches and pitchforks. Sixteen yeah. days in. Yeah, You're sixteen days in. Yeah, there are people getting in their cars coming to the station now to protest. I would imagine. Well, you did your quarantine and you did your time and you did more than the CDC required. So yes. I'm good. So. It was, I take uh, it back. You were you didn't have COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I I backpedal for you. Sorry about that. That's but okay. you're fine. I wouldn't come in and be around people. Do you know how many people I have probably been around that don't even know they have COVID oh, or are not telling anyone they have COVID? I imagine the people that you caught it from knew that they had COVID when you were where you were. <laughs> yeah, it's entirely possible. Well, I'm gonna go with yes. I had nine people so far this week. Hi, Cam. Um, I've had nine people so far this week uh, cancel because they have COVID. Yeah, nine patients, and I'm very thankful to them. You know why? Because I have very great patients. They consider my health and well-being and their own health and well-being by not coming in and getting me sick because I am immune compromised, as you know. Yep. And so I'm very happy though, but it's like, let me freak everybody out out I'm, there. I'm freaking out a little bit going like, it's like, I'm in a bubble cause I haven't gotten this and knock yeah. on wood, find my wood behind me. Well, I'm this is my first go around. I know. And, and three years in. I know. And it's just a fluke that you went and probably got coughed on. I'm going to freak everybody out. It is impossible to tell. It is. It, it's just impossible to control this to a large degree because there is so much time when you don't know you have it. Right. There are days before the symptoms arrive. And at this point, particular point in time, there are days before before you can get a test and right. even days after that, before you can get the results of the test. Right. You know, a, a decent test. I I understand. Well, you had a hard time getting tests. I told you I'd give you one if I was home, but yeah. I wasn't home at the time. Yeah. Well, I ended up doing a home test. So, But you're fine. Yep. But yes, so that's so. And but the if other you want to try, people also are thinking that they have a, just the common cold because most people that I, well, all the people that I know that have gotten it have been vaccinated, yep. except for the one person that passed away on Christmas. But I didn't know him specifically. I knew him through a patient, but um, he was not vaccinated. So I mean, there is something to be said for your vaccine. I'm just saying. Yeah. Because everyone's reporting like head cold, of either losing their their taste and smell, or having a weird sour taste in their mouth for like a day, then it comes back, or that but they're already in with like a head cold, and then it moves forward, and they're feeling fine. I didn't have any of that stuff. Okay, I thought you had a fever. Chills for a night. Oh, one night I had chills, and a dry cough for a little bit, but that was it. And then headaches. The last symptom was headache. Oh, so see, you had some of the symptoms, yeah. and I think, but the, no respiratory, no. Well, one of the one of the symptoms that's good, thank God, right? Yeah. One of the symptoms I know that a lot of people have been having, and I think it's more towards the Omicron variant, I believe, um, is the the diarrhea and the, um, you know, no, the vomiting. Yep. No. Yeah, that stuff. I'm um, just feeling like that, so more fluey like that, um, but it's like a day coming. And then I just heard, and I didn't think this was possible. I just got an email yesterday from my baseball boss, the guy I work, yep. do baseball for. Mm -hmm. He said he's been hit twice in the last 30 days with each variant. Huh. I would. So, and he's, he's not a casual guy. In other words, if he's, he's if he out. says, no, if he says something, he's looked into it. It's not like oh. he, he's well, not I just imagine, firing off. I would imagine that it's not necessarily that he's gotten it twice. This is just from a clinical standpoint. Yep. And in, in my science knowledge about it is that it's, within 30 days, it's probably the same one lingering. Yeah. Just because it's the, the virus in itself from the beginning has, has that longevity. Yep. And so 
like I had that client right in the beginning that had it for six months and it just, it would ramp up and then ramp back down and ramp up and ramp right. back down. And people were like, Oh, you you keep getting it. And what we have realized is that it's just lingering. So it resolves itself, so to speak. And then it kind of keeps going and then right. it comes back. And then, so he said heavy it, symptoms, including COVID fog and he's relatively young. I'm guessing yep. he's in his early fifties. But... I love that you said that. Yeah. Relatively young. Yeah. I mean, he's, Huh? I'm 27. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I well, and I think I think that he will think that he might have gotten it twice. I'm gonna go with it. He hasn't had it one time and it's yep. just up and down yep. until it resolves out. But listen, I was trying to pay attention to people. Like I was trying to pay attention to you, make sure I have several clients who come in. You do the show live in here. Yep. I wanted to make sure everybody knew what was going on yep. as much as I knew what was going on. Yeah, I was aware. And, and it's difficult. It's, it is. It's difficult. You it can't. is. Very, I had to send out an email. I mean, this is all about the health and wellness because this is so important right now because I see lots of people sliding down the tubes with their attitude and behaviors around this um, in terms of being frustrated because now lots of people are getting sick and so on. And um, But I had to send out an email on Monday to a vast majority of my clients that I know come in contact with a lot of people, basically stating that, you know, please don't come if you're sick around someone's been sick think you've been around someone's yep. been sick yeah all that and and that was m not the nine people that canceled on me this week which is fine yep. um and doing things remotely even so that's fine but i had to send out that email to tell people like hey you know and people have been very good about it so yep. like you you know you you keep people apprised of the situation which is good yeah, and it's not just me the household ended up with it so there's different time frames there and you know, yes. it's just, it's, it's difficult. The, the way things are set up right now is difficult to do what you should be doing with this. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, I, th I think so. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's much more conducive to the reality of the situation. Right. And to this point, there's still debate over where, where, and when I got it. I, we can, you can't nail it down. There's no, See, I have a belief, which you know, that I, I agree. had it before. Oh yeah. I think you had it Christmas. When we were talking the, about the last you, cold thing, when I started having my allergy thing, yeah. you that would have been a long time, but hey, it's anything's but that's possible. Lingering, yeah. Right? yeah, but maybe because I had I about know, I just felt like that that was what it was. I had about with what I thought was a cold, yeah. And no, I tested negative, I tested for that. That doesn't mean you didn't have it, yeah. I probably tested early, negative. but I, I was symptomatic. I intuitively felt that you had to go, yeah. <laughs> and that's why I got mad at you that day. See. That's, See, that's part of the problem here. Because I got close to you that day, right in front of you when yeah. you're talking, and then you go, oh, I'm sick. I'm like, oh, man. But I tested negative. I Well, that's lovely. But yeah. then how far did I stay away from you? Like thousands of feet. So this is the thing. You can, so you can test. There's a huge you... wall between us. A yeah. glass shield, wood, and We're in two different rooms. rooms. We are in different rooms. Yeah. Uh, but you can't go by the test. The timing throws everything off. You don't, I mean, you don't know. It's, it's just very difficult to do what you need to do. Yes. And then I'm reading yesterday, mass doesn't help with Omicron, so, which was. Well, I, I would not say, I don't know where you read that, but. but It was I, on Facebook. So. Oh, well, if it's on Facebook, that's like. Because they jump on it. everything. I have a family member who I won't disclose because, you know, I yeah. won't. But that's whenever they wanted to prove a point to me when I was growing up, it was. I read it and like, where'd you read it? Yeah. And I, this was me even as a teenager, Cosmopolitan, oh, because back in the day, that was, you know, yeah. Vanity Fair and Cosmopolitan. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's a good source. <laughs> uh, today I go, all good right, source. go go look up Flat Earth. <laughs> you can yeah, read whatever exactly. you want to read. Because you because you read it. But Facebook. If you found it on the Facebook. And I'm not and saying Facebook Google. is accurate, but Facebook doesn't do anything like that. They block anything like that that's, right. that they can possibly shoot down. Right. So I'm guessing because this wasn't blocked, it didn't even have a COVID fact check on it oh well maybe it got past him so i am nothing way, i am it. i am way before the pandemic as you know given mm -hmm. my respiratory issues and all that i'm very much pro um masking yeah. and i believe fully given the science prior to covid that it helps reduce lots of things <laughs> so <laughs> can't hurt i i i think that whether you can whether omicron is pre prevented or not it doesn't matter i think that if you're around a group of people and there's a lot of people that you aren't savvy to knowing whether or not they're vaccinated or not. Even if you're vaccinated, you can still get it, obviously. But I think that 
glass wearing is better than not yep. in some in some of those you know venues. At this rate, we're going to have herd immunity in about ten minutes from now. <laughs> well, it well. How come yes. no one's talking herd immunity because everybody is getting this? Everybody. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of loose about that in terms of like the actual way it works. But yes, yeah. there there could be because it depends. I know that the Northeast is getting hit hard with it right now. I'm not sure of how all the other areas in the country yeah. are getting hit. So it depends on that and yeah. how many people are traveling in and out. I mean, I'm kind of relieved, actually. That you got it? Yeah. There you go. It was a uh, mild bout of it. It's like a rite of passage. Did, yeah. You got it and survived. Mild bout of it. I, I'm not. It's not looming anymore. Well, you look way better and yeah. you sound way better. So good. And I'll go get my booster one. I'll go get my booster in a week or two and... And supposedly I'll be able be down to for the count for three days from now. <laughs> the booster will probably the drop. The booster me. will kick your butt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's great. what that's what delayed me. Do not me. do that on a Wednesday for my show. Okay. Okay. Because that's what delayed me for a while. Because a couple people I know who very pro vaccinations. Yeah. You know, had the is mine Pfizer. I advisor yeah. Pfizer, and they went and got the booster, and they didn't have any problems with the. Uh, first two shots but had problems with the booster and went See, on yeah. i had you know i had pfizer across the board and i have had no problems at all okay. none oh, good well i'm not saying that to be like oh i'm awesome i'm no, just saying I like know. i even planned for it in my head i'm like oh i'm gonna get sick and nope i had nothing everyone around me that got boosted and shot they all <laughs> it was like what's wrong with you i'm like uh well apparently i'm a tough cookie. Yeah. I thought I brought it up the other day. I thought maybe Christmas shopping was when I got it. Oh, at the see, mall. I, I, I still stand by the fact that you had it at Christmas. But it's that's a long delay. All the things delayed, although I did have the symptoms early. And it didn't go through the house at that point. Well, that's because they probably got it when you guys went up. And then she got it when you were up there. Uh, maybe. Who knows? But see, this is the problem. You're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to do your isolations. You're trying to protect people. You're trying to be upfront, and you have no idea of timing or anything. How are you doing? My, my microphone was a little wonky. Sorry, okay. I was listening to you. It's I was just fixing my myself. No, here. that thing could drop at any minute. So, <laughs> um, well, so so speaking of health and wellness around around this issue is that I have noted in my practice we're talking a lot about this because it's you know, running rampant, but also how it's unseating people's mental health. And given that January tends to be the health month for the world yep. because of what we've talked about for the past two months, um, I actually went in, I was going to go to the gym the other night and my gym requires masks, as you know, and there must have been 300 people in the gym. Wow. And I, I, I have to say, I was the person this time that drove up to the window, looked in, and was like, oh, I'll come back later. <laughs> well, that was a motivation. It was that not, was common not a sense. I was like, oh, my Lord, <laughs> yeah. that's way too much stuff going on. So no, I wouldn't do that. And it, You wouldn't go away? No, I, would, I wouldn't walk into a gym with 300 people no. in there. I wouldn't do it at this no. point. It's that's nuts. why I didn't. Yeah. Well, and not because of just, you know, 300 people. Is that scientifically, in my mind, I go to... 90% of those people don't typically go to this gym and they haven't been in the gym and it's only been the past two weeks and they're all fresh starters, which means that they're probably not in great shape physically, internally, which means that their immune system's down. See, yep. this is how my mind works, right? Yep. And therefore, they're not like the rest of us that have been there every day for the past year. And therefore, I'm going to be exposed to all these people that are trying to build their immunity by being, being healthy for two weeks. And then I'm going to be exposed to that. And I don't want to be exposed yep. to that. Yep. You know? Oh, I agree. Yeah. So, well, see, that was the thought I had. So while... two hours later, I went and there were. It was people. better. Ten people. Yeah. It was like it went from. Well, it's the, it was the heightened time, yeah. you know, and it was right on the tail end. And then it was like ten people. Well, see, like, just oh, smart. That's all. I like being on 50, you know, treadmills with only two people, you know, on the whole trip. Oh, yeah. I agree. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah, and the weights, the free weights. I just don't like a lot of people around. So. Yeah, well, and you have to carry your hand sanies around because people are gross. Yep. Not yeah. people in general, but like, you know, you know what no, they people do. Are gross. You know what they do. Yep. You see it. And I'm like, Ugh. But you know me, I'm not thinking about this all that much. I'm not all that freaked out by it. But during Christmas shopping, when I was out in the mall, which I never go in, there were a couple of times in my head, it goes, this is crazy. This see, is... I didn't go to the mall. Huh? I didn't go to the mall. Yeah. Well, I had to. I avoid the mall because I hate the mall. Oh, yeah, me too. Not because, and that was pre-COVID. I just hate yeah. the mall. 
it's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is why I'm in mental health. But then again, at the place where we went for New Year's, I, I had the same thought. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of people here. Well, that's why where yeah. I was with you at the same time, I sat near the door and didn't go all the way in to where the masses were because I was a little worried. It was, it was safe, safer near the door? I sat right next to the door, right next to the person that you saw when you walked out that was very lovely chatting with me for the whole evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was pretty chatty, but... Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Um, so, the, the COVID issue, um, I think people are more than sick of it, no pun intended, but they are our mental health challenge now because I think people are getting more and more aggravated because of masking, because of people having it, people having the social media fights yep. that I have seen and, and, and actually made an innocuous comment the other day about someone posting up. I made an innocuous comment. That's so right. Someone posted up something about someone having COVID and, you know, all of a sudden all the doctors on, Facebook come out and they, and they, yeah, they give all their, you know, doctor information. And I typically don't comment about anything like that, but there was a piece of information that was so egregious and over the top that was very misleading. Yep. So I innocuously just said, you know, ivermectin is a parasite treatment for, you know, essentially parasites and worms and other things that, although it's, been touted here and there by some doctors that are sort of off label yep. um, as a treatment, you know, it's, it's misinformation at this juncture. And then of course yeah. it opened the door. Yeah. And, and so I can guarantee you get an article about middle earth saying that they've been treating. It, well, so, treating so, COVID the, with, so the yeah. source of this information, which yeah. is why I'm always talking about good mental health comes from yeah. triangulating all your information and making sure you have good, you know, sources, you know, I may not be right, but I also know that I've done my research. And when you just kind of go to a, when it's labeled with this thing that you can Google and find out where this company is and who makes up the company and what they're about, you know that it's an ivermectin pushing yeah. thing. And it also has killed people, um, which of course the people in this particular Facebook feed talked about that, well, COVID vaccines kill people too. So, yeah. and I didn't get it. I just, I backed away from it. I was like, okay, I'm out on this one, but it was just more about like, you know, have good information for yourself. Don't, you know, like I wouldn't put out there in the middle of like a Facebook page, even as a doctor. I mean, obviously on this show I can because of my show, but I wouldn't just be putting out like miscellaneous information for someone that doesn't know this scenario, even though the person might have COVID here's the treatment protocol you should have. Right. And these are lay people out there doing that. That's why I said, Oh, be really careful with what you're posting about that because that's actually not true. Of course, the person came back and said, COVID's not COVID treatments aren't FDA approved either, but I never say anything about being FDA approved, but you know, it yep. gets into this whole thing because people are so on edge. I'm getting tissue because you're making my nose run. Um, people are so on edge and so annoyed and so angry about the process, I think, of what's been going on that I think it's it's causing mental health unrest and that people are, uh, uh, you know, everyone's become an expert. Yeah. You know, and, and on social media, it is whew, quite something. So yeah. not only am I seeing it in social media, but I'm seeing it more and more out in the world and people getting more I think I've when when we were up away last week, I mm -hmm. had more people talking to me about that just in my general passing about how unkind, um, hurtful, um, disrespectful to each other people are, and and so I guess the the in general of, or on social media, in general, yeah, not just in social media, which that's always been going on, but like in yeah. general in public, people, um, you know, having less patience or or being less considerate or whatever it is or that you're in their way or they're in a rush and you're just an inconvenience in their way i've seen that more and more and have people really talking about how that is and it's it's very frustrating i think for people and i keep saying be kind find your joy yeah try to find a happy space so that you don't get pulled into that because it's temporary it's very hard for people to do that though because people get very verklempt it's a peaceful place, though. Huh? It's a peaceful place, though. What is? To be mad? No. Um, it, it's kind of where I am on the whole COVID thing in general. I'm just, I've turned apathetic about it. 
Oh. It's like, I don't want to hear it. I'm just going to take care of myself and, and be done with it. Do, do the best I can with, you know, what's in front of me. And well, right. You know. And I think, and I think that that's a great way to be is that you're not necessarily apathetic, you know, but yeah. it's more about like, just take care of you. Do you, I've had, no, but know, I'm not out trying to change hearts and minds. Right. I'm just, I'm going to take care of myself the best I can try right. not to try to be kind to people about, you know, sharing the information. Like, you know, I was positive. So try right. to stay away from people. And, right. Right. Well, and I think it's good that people share the information too, so that it's not, because remember, it's been like the, you know, it's like the cancer of now, because you know how back yeah. in the day when you had cancer, you wouldn't say cancer out loud. You'd say, you know, it's that thing, you know, <laughs> it's the same thing with COVID. <laughs> See, you know, yeah. I have, I have it, or, you know, you cough and people are like, ah, oh, you have COVID. And there's a stigma to it. And it's, it's like, nope. I find that because, you know, I cough all the time year round and I cough and people look at me. I'm like, I don't have COVID. It's yeah. allergies year yeah. round. <laughs> And it's, but there's that stigma to it. Just like the cancer thing is like, nobody, you, if you out yourself, you, you know, you're like, shun, you wear a scarlet letter. It's like you've, well, I didn't make a public announcement. Bad. I didn't make a public announcement. I didn't no. want to do that, but I'm talking no. with people that I have to interact with. And, well, that's the thing. Yeah. Right. But that's, I'm, I, right. I'm saying like, it's yeah. important that like, you don't have to feel like you're going to get right. Like back in the beginning of this, people were, you know, like, Oh, what'd you do that? You got it. Yeah. It's like now it's, people walk past someone in the store and next thing you know, they have it. I mean, I think I can't tell you how many people in the past two weeks have had it. I know. I know. It's incredible. And before I didn't know anybody really that had it. I mean, my brother-in-law died from it, but yeah. that was probably one of the only people that I truly personally knew. Yeah. Now everybody's got it. Yep. So anyway, so the mental health of that is on the table and and here we are in the beginnings of the year and people are trying to get their stuff together in their heads and all their goals and trying to keep themselves healthy and well. And, um, and a couple topics, topics have come up in the past few weeks around like finding your joy, um, finding happiness and being healthy and what that really means for people, um, especially with, uh, anxiety. And, um, last week on the show, uh, several people afterwards contacted me and talked about like the anxiety that they have about coming into, you know, unknown territory of the new year and what it brings because financially there's so much difference now and health wise there's so much difference yeah. now and, and really looking at how to manage anxiety um, and what anxiety is. And I haven't talked about really anxiety in a while. So I thought, you know, I'll talk about a little bit of anxiety today and what, what it really is and how we can work on it. And, um, and as well as keeping it in mind of setting the goals, like your micro goals, how's your water going, by the way? The water's going fine. Excellent. Yep. Are you still doing your, yep. Awesome. I'm still logging. My calories are good. I've been out of the gym because well, for the go. last couple of weeks. Yeah. Right. But, well, that's you know, good. So I got to get that back up and running again. That's good. You know, and getting the uh, body back online because it affects your sleep. It affects all kinds of stuff. So. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so, so anxiety. So speaking of sleep. So one of the best things that people can do, I'm going to start with a tip right off the top. One of the best things you can do for anxiety is having good regular sleep. Doesn't mean go sleep all day because then we have a different issue. Yeah. But starting your, starting your whole routine off with good sleep, which means um, people think that they're supposed to have eight to 10 hours of sleep. That is not necessarily true, right? So it's just kind of a, a standard, a general suggestion, but anywhere from, you know, at six to eight hours is roughly, if you have good solid sleep, you know, right. somewhere in between six to eight hours. Um, some people feel like they need more, which is fine. But remembering that if you sleep too much, you also create anxiety. If you sleep too little, you can create anxiety. So if you can um, have a, a, routine of going to bed, say on the weeknights by 10, for instance, and then shutting all electronics off, you know, no phones, no, whatever you're doing, you know, tabs or tablets or whatever. And then, and then sleeping through and then getting up regularly on the same time, even if that's a struggle for you so that you're setting your pattern in motion. Cause that gives you a good start. People often neglect sleep as the as anything. It's yeah. just sleep. It's just what's supposed to happen. And then people struggle with it. They have insomnia or hypersomnia or something. <clears throat> and then, and then they go, Oh, well, I'm not sleeping well. Well, sleep is really the best healer for anxiety set for the next day. So if you're really anxious today, I look at your sleep pattern and what it's been like over the past week, two weeks, two months, three months, whatever, or a year, because it usually leads into 
rough days. Um, and then if you, so if then if you're a person who eats late at night or eats or drinks alcohol late into the evening or right up to bed, right? I have clients that, you know, go right to bed on alcohol um, or even on the weekend. Like if you go out for drinks and you, you know, we all do it. We go out yep. and come home and lay down and go to bed. And the next day is much more difficult, even if it wasn't like a, a big old bender. It was just the fact that it takes you off your ritual of being able to stabilize your your neurotransmitters in your brain that help regulate the the anxiety. So sleep is important. <clears throat> and so for people that have sleep anxiety, <laughs> right? So that's actually a disorder. So you can have sleep anxiety disorder, which is, you know, you're you're taking all your worries from your day into your evening and then you're not sleeping on them essentially. Yeah. You're trying to sleep on them, but they're, you know, they they're they're popping you out of the sleep or they're making you restless or or come in and out of the, you know, the first few stages of sleep really fast yep. and you're not cycling through correctly. So um, working on your sleep is really important. Then anxiety in general as a definition is fear. Now, when I say that to people, most people will say, I'm not afraid of anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's back the truck up. Yep. It's not about fear necessarily of spiders or heights. It's fear of, and we've talked about this before, fear of the unknown. Yep fear of what might be, what could be, what did happen, what didn't happen, past stuff or future forward catastrophizing, something that's coming that you are projecting, you're planning for, it may never happen. And, and it's just that built up worry that puts your mind into an alert state all the time about I'm anticipating something bad happening because it's happened before, or I think it's going to happen because I'm so alerted because someone's made me hypervigilant and made me fear to anticipate and plan for something bad to happen. Now, most of the time, if you really ask yourself my three R's, right, what's rational, reasonable, and realistic, if you really ask yourself of all the times you plan for something, yeah, does it ever really happen? And you've done all this planning for something that never actually happens because it usually doesn't happen. I'm very convinced from 26 years of doing this that I very rarely have found a bad thing that someone's planned for that really comes to fruition, but they've done all the planning around it and wasted tons of time and missed lots of opportunities for other things that come along because they're so caught up in yeah. the obsessing over the need to control for the situation by over planning or overthinking it because they're so worried that something is going to happen. But people will tell you they worried it out of existence. Would have happened if I didn't worry about it. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's that illusion or yeah. delusion of control. Yeah. Mm. It's tough. Just threat generating all the time. So, right. And yeah. so the brain <clears throat> and people say that they don't know what they're worried about or that they don't, they're not thinking with anxiety. All anxiety is thought. There's some distorted thought pattern. You may not be aware of it, but it's there. Yeah. And most of my clients and most people, even when you read other people's case studies, they'll start out their time with you in, in therapy saying, I don't know what I'm worried about. I can't identify it. I don't think about anything. Yeah. And in fact, oh no, when we uncover that, it's, you know, you're always thinking. And that's, that's the problem is it's the type of thinking you're doing, which is generating the worry because it's usually rooted in something that you're basing it in. that's not rational pretty unrealistic for the most part, most of the time and, and not reasonable. So the likelihood of something, there's no evidence or limited evidence that something's going to happen, but in your head, you've built a huge storyline and a narrative that makes it, it true. And so, right. um, so, so fear can be, um, fear of, you know, not being happy, fear of disappointing your friends, your neighbors, your, uh, your boss, your spouse, your kids. I mean, there's all kinds of fear and you want to call it something else you can, but it really comes down to your body is in fight and flight. So you're either fighting off something or you're fleeing from it. And that doesn't mean you're actively running, but your behaviors might be that, you know, if you're a workaholic, for instance, you're, you're running probably from something emotional that makes you anxious because it's easier to keep yourself distracted all the time. So when you come home and you go, you don't go and shut it off. You go right into, I'm going to work more at home. Right. And then you take, you know, you don't talk to your kids. You don't talk to your spouse. You do other things. And then you go to bed and bedtime, you might be on the phone doing something. It's always moving and shaking because you're fight and flight always. Um, and people don't identify that as anxiety, but in fact, that's anxiety. And 
the statistics are one in four people in this country have diagnosable severe anxiety disorders. Um, but I actually think it's probably higher than that. I think most, I yeah. think most people have some level of anxiety and so, just some people are more resilient to managing it. Um, and then, and then some people are not necessarily managing it, but they have good coping strategies and they just know how to keep it at bay. Yeah. Or there, you talked about people stating oftentimes, I don't know what I'm worried about or, um, that whole idea of processing it and getting it out of a vague thought right. and a vague overhanging cloud into words and feelings helps you disarm it. I mean, right. that's one of the first steps, isn't it? Just self-awareness about what your anxiety source is. Uh, right. And so, yes. And awareness is hard for people because I just had a client yesterday. We talk about this a lot and he has a very common issue that lots of clients have is that He's, he says he's afraid of bringing it into the awareness because he doesn't know what kind of pain is going to come with it. So it's easier to run from it. And it took me a while to get him to even get to that point. Yeah. So now I know that there's some awareness there that something's there, but he doesn't want to look at it. So he's got a very good block over what is under there. Now I know what's under there. Yeah. Um, but I need him to come to that. So I don't coach him into say, you know, I don't lead him down the path. I just know what's there. And he is gradually going there but most people avoid that which is yep. why they say i'm not thinking anything it's just this is how i feel i'm just generally like this but having the awareness doesn't mean that you're going to fall apart so don't it's the don't make eye contact strategy right <laughs> yeah. right exactly yeah. Yeah. and so it's like if i avoid it it just it doesn't exist if i you know never acknowledge it then it's fine but meanwhile you know you have ulcers and you yeah. have headaches chronically or and what happens is it things. becomes bigger and more powerful right. as a vague idea than it would be the specific of it. Right. And, and so what, so one of the, not one of probably the biggest problem with management of anxiety here is the quick fix mentality of instant gratification of it. I'm so uncomfortable. I don't want to do the work because then you have to be aware and do it. We jump right to like a benzo. Yeah. You know, uh, so Ativan, Clonopin, Xanax, yep. Valium, things like that. Instead of trying to do it through exercise, is actually the number one thing to help anxiety. Number one. Yeah. Good sleep, exercise, and good nutrition. And why? Because I've already talked about sleep. The exercise itself moves the neurotransmitters, the chemicals in your brain and your gut that actually regulate the ability for you to just manage it. If you don't want to look at it, if yeah. you don't want to actually look at the thing that's driving your anxiety and really look at it, exercise will kind of get all that stuff temporarily moving so that you don't have to sit with it the same way shockingly effective I, i'm it's sure you've shockingly heard yeah. effective and yeah. people don't realize how yeah. effective it is and that doesn't mean to run right it means that it's what i've talked about before brisk walk for a mile or two or go getting out in the sunlight for 10 20 minutes and just moving um you know you got to get your cardio going a little bit but it's important whether you're biking whether you go for a swim, whether you get on a rowing machine, whether you go up and down the stairs 20 times, whatever that is, it's just about the chemicals getting moved. It's about charging the body so that the body gets out of the funk that it's in. Because when you're anxious, it's like you're on a depleted battery. So um, the neurotransmitter that's responsible for anxiety drops and depletes. And when you exercise, mm -hmm. it brings it up. Yeah. So um, if you're never exercising, and you have poor sleep and you're a bad eater. Yeah. So, and why does, why does food matter? Well, food is energy and depending on the foods you eat, they create or, or they inhibit or they help anxiety. So sugar doesn't help anxiety, sugar, um, you know, chips, all the things we've talked about before, all the things that are processed are going to add to the depletion of your GABA and your serotonin and your norepinephrine because they chemically interchange with your neurotransmitters to make you not feel good. So if you have poor eating, poor sleeping, and poor exercise, you, your anxiety is going to not be right. regulated. And what happens is people go to the doctor and they get a medication that artificially makes all those chemicals after three, four weeks come to a pattern of state, uh, um, steady state. And now you're still doing what you were doing, but now the medications made you feel a little bit better. 
Okay. But the problem is, is if you're not learning the skills to do it without the medication, you're going to be on the medication forever. Right. <clears throat> and the medication, excuse me, is not supposed to be there forever. That's not what it's traditionally meant for. But, and then, and then most medications that you go on for that make you gain weight, which is the downside of that. Because if you're already struggling with stuff in your life and then you start having self-esteem issues because you're gaining more weight because of medication, you're, it's yep. a very vicious cycle. Yeah. And that creates more anxiety. And so, as you know, I try to get people to be as holistic as possible before they last ditch effort, go to a medication, not because medications aren't good. It's just that you got to learn the skills to come with it sometimes. And we know this through research and I, and I do know this anecdotally is um, if you do do medication, it definitely helps people who lack the motivation because they're so down and their self-esteem is so, you know, yep. low that when you do take a medication for six months or so, it can help you bring yourself up enough so that you can make those changes in those three items, like the exercise, the sleep and the um, eating. And then once that happens, then you can wean back off it. The problem is people don't, they right. stay on it. And, and, you know, some people do really well on that for years and years. I have clients that have been on medication for 25, 30 years, the same thing over and over. We make tweaks on it here and there because it works for them, but they also are doing all the skills. Yeah. Um, then I've had many patients over the years that have come off of their medication and are doing beautifully because they learned the skills. Um, usually people who come off the medication um, and who have not learned the skills and within a short period of time, like a year or two, they crash and burn and it's a start over because they don't do the implementation of the skills. Um, so which create it's a vicious cycle of creating more anxiety because you're not addressing the underlying issues. So if you're a person listening today that doesn't want to actually address yeah. The reason why you're anxious um, because of some trauma or because of some painful parent experience or because you are in an abusive relationship or whatever it is. Okay. Then make one of those micro changes, sleep pattern, exercise pattern, eating pattern, because all those interchange into your mental health. Um, but it's hard for people because it is hard for people. Well, eating and exercise is relatively easy. Sleep is a struggle for me and I, I, I ebb and flow with it. You know, sometimes I'm really good at it because I pay a lot of attention to it. And sometimes I struggle with it. So. Well, and so sleep is, it's interesting because people have so much awareness about exercise and eating and because it's in your face all the time, but the sleep thing isn't really talked about. That's why I talked about it first is because people don't really pay attention to sleep until they have to go to sleep and then all their anxieties come up. And so I have, a, I have a, a variety of techniques to help people around that. And one, and one of my favorite techniques I use is I call it thought dumping. So right before bed, you take in five, 10 minutes. And that's the last thing you do is you write out like as many things you have on your mind free form. Now this is hard for perfectionists because perfectionists want to have all the punctuation. And, I, and I'm <laughs> like, you can't do that. It's just a free form of like, I'm in a bad mood. Today was terrible. I'm worried about tomorrow. My boss is going to yell at me. I don't think people like me, whatever it is. It's just about, it's like a Freudian free association writing of a thought dump of all the things that are on your you know mind. You know, I don't have enough money to pay my bills. My cat has to go to the vet. You know, I don't like my children, <laughs> whatever it is. Okay. Right? So, yeah. so, and Thought dumping is great because what it's like an exercise for your brain. It's actually releasing all the things that you're holding on to. And why do we do that at night? It comes to us at night because all day long you're distracted, distracted, right. distracted, and then everything's settled. And now it's nighttime and everyone's in bed and no one's around to talk to and you're right. not at a job and you don't have anything to do. So you start thinking about all the terrible things and they're all there all day, but now your focus is there. So, um, I have, I have a client that I'm, I'm helping with a sleep issue right now that we've backed up not doing thought dumping at night because then it leads them into the sleep with the thoughts. So instead of doing that, we're doing active awareness of the thoughts all day long so that they're not bringing them along with no awareness all day yeah. that they're doing during the daytime. And then by the time they get at night, they've already thought it through and then they can dump them if they need to, but they've already done it during the day. So that you know, that's what, that's why we do the, the weird thing we do at night is we're holding on to all the things that we want to remember, you know, like, Oh, I have this list, these 10 things I have to do. That's why people keep notebooks by their bed. It's yeah. like if they wake up, they write. Why? Cause that gets rid of them. It's, and then hmm. you don't have to hold them in your brain and then get nervous and anxious that you're going to forget them is so you're just thought dumping. Yeah. So 
focusing on the awareness piece of what's bothering you and you don't want to bring that to bed with you, do it in the morning. Get up in the morning and say, here's five good things about my day today that I'm looking forward to. I'm going to find my joy and my happiness, whatever. And here's the two or three things I'm worried about. Like, will I get this done on time or, you know, whatever. Yeah. so that you're, it's there visual for you. So you're not carrying it just like a, a bad coach in your head all the time going, you didn't do it right. You haven't done right. it yet. Yeah. Why haven't you done it yet? Which is what we all do. Like oh, making eye contact. Right. With your anxiety. Avoid, avoid the eye contact. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think so far, Lou? Is it touching on anxiety points for yeah. that you're used to? Like thinking about in your brain? Yeah. And this is something I'm a world champion threat generator and always have been. And but I'm I've managed it and I'm very aware of it and I stay on top of it. Sleep has been a problem a little bit of lately, and it's a little bit, it's less the at night going to sleep. It's like usually I wake up two hours before I have to get up. And then getting back to sleep for that last two hours. Usually my first thought is great. I got two hours and I'll just roll over. But lately it's been, those thoughts have been coming up and that's something I struggle with, but I have been aware of it and I've been good at it at times, but I've lost kind of control of it now. I can't get back into handling them as well as I used to. So it's, it's a kind of a constant thing. It's not something you just learn and go forward. You do well at it. Some I do anyway handle it well sometimes and other times not so much so the strategy and that's a really common issue for people is that they they pop out of their sleep and then they can't get back in so if you can't get back to sleep within 15 minutes of that and it's close to the time you get up so say you're getting up at six and you're and you wake up at 4 4 30 and you can't get back to sleep i tell people just to get up get get up don't because what you're doing when you lay there and you do the two hours of thinking you're reinforcing the brain and the neurotransmitter that's anxious to be anxious. So now you're creating a pattern that every day at four, and that only takes a couple of times, that every day at four, you're going to get up because now your brain knows that, oh, anxious time, anxious time, anxious time. So I'm about like, just get up. Don't sit there. Don't lay in it. Just move. Because you're creating that space of now bed is not good. Yeah. Sleep is not good. So if you've gone to bed at 10 o'clock or 11 and it's now four, you're fine. You have plenty of sleep. Yeah. But I doubt you go to bed at 10. I don't. No. Right. You're like a midnighter. I'm a midnighter. Yeah. yeah. So by that point, you've only got four hours, five hours, and then you're yeah. spent. Yep. Um, so and that's the other thing, too, is where I messed up, I think. And I know the importance of a regular sleep schedule. And at times lately, when I've had the opportunity to sleep in, I have slept in. And I know that's not good. And that's something I probably shouldn't do. Well, you, but well, are you talking about when you've been sick though? Well, sick or my schedule gives me a morning, you know, I'll sleep in an extra hour or two. And I know you shouldn't do that. And I shouldn't do that. If you're having those kinds of sleep kind of issues. Yeah. You should stay on the same pattern for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're sick though, I mean the, the the last week or so I've been trying to sleep as much as possible because I know sleep is sleep helps you heal. Right. Yeah, it's the best way to approach these things. Well, and and so, right. So that's to the point of the anxiety piece is that the sleeping, if it's a good pattern and you can get on a good pattern and do it well, then that's actually going to help you repair from your anxiety, which will make you want to exercise more, which will make you eat better, which will also make you lose weight. And um, it will also help people who have eating disorders on the anorexic side that will actually help their anxiety to have them be more likely to eat and to do the patterns to go forward, to make them gain weight. Yep. So it's, you know, it has so many multiple benefits across the board and it gets taken for granted that, Oh, we think about exercise. We think about eating, but we don't actually think about sleep hygiene. It's like a foregone, Oh, well yeah. it just happens. Cause it's nighttime. We're supposed to do that. But I think, I think I, put I, more active awareness to it. I think I've slipped in some bad habits. I've done a lot more screen before bed than I used to. I've got to try to clean that up a little bit. I used to be very good. A lot of this with anxiety, isn't it? Don't you find um, being able to let go of things and staying in the moment? Yes. In other words, it's five in the morning. I could worry about this, but I can't do anything about it. It'll be there at 10. I'll take it, care of it then. Right. Just let it go. In and theory, I used to be good at that. In but, theory, yeah. letting it go is great. Now, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's it's that it's that in between of how to actually do it so that you give yourself the acceptance that. You, so it goes to asking the question of, do I have control over this right now? Because if I don't, which I don't, right. You know, if something happens, I, like personal example, like right before the 
New Year's holiday, someone asked me to write a, a, a document for them for something. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, normal, like, you know, because I'm conscientious in my job. I'm like, oh, my God. And they wanted it the next day. And I was I'm like, it was last minute. And then I was like, I don't have any control over this because it's not my issue. And then actually accepting that I truly didn't have any control over the fact that someone dumped something on me at the last minute. I didn't have any ability to really do it. It yeah. was too late. But I had to go through the evidence in my head of like, there's no possible realistic way that's rational, reasonable, realistic for me to do this in this time frame, given what has been asked. And being okay with that and realizing that, you know, and this happens all the time in businesses, I'm sure people can relate. Some will say, oh, you have a deadline. All of a sudden, I need you to do this for me today. And then you realize that two weeks later, nothing's even happened with the thing that you had to do for them. And then it, so you have to find the evidence out in the world. Like, is it really going to be something that's going to impact in the moment? Or is this someone's need needing to be met that you're trying right. to help and, or whatever in those cases, but realizing that, okay, I'm not in the moment. And if I stay in the moment, I have no control over this. And therefore, is it really going to make an impact down the line if I do it right now versus not? No, but it's that it, that's the hard part. It's the space in between whether or not you can let it go or not. Right. Right. And and to the extent you can. I mean, this, even this whole COVID thing was an exercise. It's like I can't control COVID, but I can control my own health and and who I'm dealing with. And, right. You know, that and that's all I can control. So I'm not getting involved. I'm not reading more articles. I'm not getting involved in Facebook discussions. Just okay. I'm sick. I'll just hunker down for a bit. Right. So you, so you took, so you took control over what you knew was the only thing you had control over, which was you. Yeah. Right. So, um, and and I think that that's a great way of letting go is just knowing that there. The only control you really have is I always tell people it's over what you eat, how you dress, how you drive, how you pick your food items, how you <laughs> exercise. Like, there's nothing that's external that you can really control. Really. Right can't control other people. You can't control an outcome of something else. Really. You can only control what you participate in and how you contribute to something and respond or react. Right. And I think that's a big part of the letting go piece or acceptance piece. So if people don't like, you know, the letting go thing, call it acceptance. I have to accept what is right now, which is that this is all I can do, or this is what I'm going to do, or this is where I'm at. And it's 5am and I can't do anything right now because everything's closed and nothing can be done till 10. And, you know, and then what am I going to do? Ruminate about it? Cause there's, that's not going to do anything when people extra worry about something. Yeah. That doesn't stop people though. I, I was a huge ruminator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's about looking the thing in the eye too, because right. other than having just this cloud over you all the time, this vague, um, these vague worries and these vague threats around you all the time, just affecting everything being more specific about it, it's like, okay, well, what can I do about that? Right. It's five in the morning. What can I do about that? Nothing. I'll deal with it in a couple hours. And the rumination piece is important because you're building up when you're a ruminator or when you're a catastrophizer or an overthinker or hypervigilant, like all the same words, but meaning yeah. the same thing, you know, um, you're building a pattern in your brain that becomes automatic that you actually don't have to actively think to do it anymore. And then you're so far gone into it that when, by the time you get to see someone like me as a doc or something like that, the pattern is so deeply rooted, you know, or the, I call it the train tracks. The train tracks are so deeply rooted for that, that you have to really work hard and you don't realize how hard you work to get there in the first place Yeah, because it came so naturally, but it really didn't. You actually worked it. You worked at building those train tracks in your brain to make that happen. And now the thought of actively having to shift tracks and make a new track is overwhelming to people because you don't want to let go of the, of the ruts in the road that you know, because they're safe. Even right. though they're terrible, they're safe. But right. what, what I found, what worked for me was not necessarily trying to attack that problem, but understanding what the opposite was. In other words, everyone, I don't care what kind of ruminator or what kind of anxiety you're dealing with, everyone has good times. Everyone right. sits there, you go to the beach and you feel good for a while, or you go chase snowy owls, or you do whatever you do. Hey. <laughs> yeah, but whatever it is, right. it makes you happy. You realize you try to try to break that down and why that's making you happy. It's making you happy because all those other things, that cloud hanging over you, right. all those anxieties you're dealing with, all the threats you're generating, 
are irrelevant in that moment. You're just in that moment doing that thing. Right. So it's like, I need more of that. Well, and, and whether I it think... be playing a video game, whether it be watching Patriots, whether it be going, you know, to the refuge to look for snowy owls, whatever it is, you know, find, find those, create more of those moments. And the more you do it, right. the better you get at doing it. And I think, and I think that allowing yourself to do those things, and that's where, you know, you know, most people don't have the severe level of anxiety. They have the middle of the road. So they do find the, you know, solace in the football game or going to the snowy owls or going for a run or doing whatever. But when you have that severe case of anxiety or the severe case of yep. whatever the anxiety disorder is, then the finding the joy in something is really hard because you're you're asking your brain to let go of what it knows for something that it doesn't know. Yep. But I tell people that your brain actually knows. You just have to allow it to go there. Yeah. Well, um, your brain sitting does with your, know that. Sitting with your grandkids. Right. Walking your dog. Right. You know, everyone has those moments. Right. That's why they that's why they're attached to these things because it gives them a little bit of peace. <laughs> so find that, find why that is, and keep recreating that. Well, and and I think to your point there, so important that people realize to acknowledge that walking the dog, or sitting out on a porch for ten minutes, or going out and watching a snowy owl or an eagle, or walking by the pond, that people don't count those things. Right because oh well it was only 10 minutes or it's just walking the dog or it you have to put association to that wow that actually is something that's really nice um you know for me like for instance a personal example it takes me 45 minutes to get to the reservation what you're talking about about snowy owls we'll yep. go there and the drive now i love that drive now yeah and it's not because i'm it's not like race to get to the snowy owl right it's I love, I take three different routes to get there. I always come past the same spot and I, and there's a feeling now that I get, and it has nothing to do whether or not I'm going to see the snowy owl or what. It's just, I come into that space of the Island where, where we see all these beautiful birds, but it's just this general uh, yep. feel. And that's because I'm allowing myself to go there. It's, and I'm not in a, you know, a foot race to get to this thing that has to be done because it's this, it's an experience and allowing for that experience. And I think that that's part of what I was saying a couple of weeks ago about finding your joy, yep. that you're not just being happy because you're looking for something external. You're finding the joy or you're finding the peace or the, the conscientious acceptance that you're walking into this thing that makes you feel settled. Well, how many people um, are all they the other stuff is still there, but there's nothing you can do about it on a Sunday because nothing's going on on a Sunday other than this. How many times do your anxiety client clients cite a car ride as peace for them to and from work? Many. And they extend it. Many. They're coming home from work. They'll take a side road. They'll take a different route because it's perfect example. You're in this little capsule. You're in right. your car. You're away from everything. You're listening to music you like. Right. You did, Nothing can get to you at that right. point. All those things that you're dealing with 24-7 can't get to you in the car it's a peaceful place. People come to like the ride. Right. Cause yeah. it's your, it's like your white noise. Yeah. Right. That's, I mean, this is one of the reasons why you see parents take their babies out in the car. Yep. Babies get all, you know, upset at their bedtimes or nap times oh, yeah. or colicky or whatever's going on. They put them in a car in immediate. My daughter, yeah. I'd come home. She'd be crying for a half an hour. She'd already be in the car seat. I'd just take her, put it in the car seat. We'd go for a drive, yep. listen to the Red Sox game. She'd fall asleep. It was great. You know, and gave her, her mother a break and, you know, yeah, it was peaceful for her and peaceful for me. It was right. Know. So it's it's the and and it's a great technique. And when people were pre pandemic, I used to have people who would struggle with the with the work home shift. Yeah. And you can do this now, if especially if you're home and you're stuck. Use your use your car or use that time to um, it transition. Yeah. You're transitioning your head. You're turning off from one channel and you're turning on another channel that is better for you. Like, you know, the work channel turns off at four or six and then home life turns on at this time. And that means I don't have control over what happened today or what's going to come tomorrow. I only have control over what I'm doing right now, which is going to go home and do these things. But the, the drive time is so important for so many people because that's really where you can get yeah. calm. And that's where also people get themselves revved up even more because that's when they get in the car and make phone calls. Yeah. So, so if you're a phone caller, like I am, because that's where I get all my administrative stuff done. In the car? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah that's yeah. where I can get my phone calls in. Yeah, no. I, right? Because no. I don't have time because, you know. No phone, and it aggravates the hell out of people. But no, I'm driving. It's, just, it's my time. 
I know. Well, I try not to do it all the time, but there's some days I have to. Oh, I know. Yeah, you're forced sometimes, but that that's part of the um, that's part of the joy of the drive is that I have I given myself permission to just not deal with. I'm not dealing with that phone call. I'm not dealing with that text. Right. Just yeah. It'll right. be there in 20 minutes. When I get home, it'll be there. I'll deal with it then. Well, and and I and so yes, and you know this, and I think I mentioned this that I'm taking. I've I'm practicing what I preach more because the last two months coming into this new year, I was completely tired all the time because I was overworking yep. and and not taking those drive experiences for myself and as much as I would and should. So I've, I've gone back to saying, you know what, I am practicing this and I'm telling people I have to just go back to doing it more myself. So that's the, you know, much more of the time of saying like, oh, I'm not making that call now and taking that time off, which I'm doing actively for myself mm -hmm. and just not going on vacation necessarily, but just taking the time away so that I have the peace time, the acceptance, letting go time so that I'm not always in fight or flight because most jobs, it doesn't, you don't have to be a doc and psych or in health and wellness or radio or everybody is going to have some period of that anxiety, fight and flight. And when people say, I don't have any of that, yeah. well, everybody has that. Yeah. So it's just to the degree and what you do with it is, is the most important thing. So having the drive time, for instance, and being able to say, I'm not going to make that call right now. And it's going to sit in my queue. Um, it's better, you know, if you can, um, or, or trying to be consolidating of your time. So yesterday, for instance, I blocked out two and a half hours. Can you believe that? Yeah. Two and a half hours in the middle of my day. It's unheard of. But and that's normally a great... I'd be cramming in clients to see as many people as I could because everyone wants to see, you know, yep. get their time in. And I was like, I, I'm sick of going to the gym at either six o'clock in the morning or at 10 at night mm -hmm. or eight at night uh, and coming home and eating dinner. Like, you know, so I was like, I'm going to do this in the middle of the day. And I was like, it was so weird. It's a great exercise. though. It was such a weird thing. Yeah. What? It's a great exercise though. Yes. It's, it's, it's just, amazing. It, I like away, I said, when I was away on vacation, yeah. I had lunch <laughs> that wasn't sitting with the clients. I usually, I have several clients that we have lunch when we yep. do our, our session because that's because uh, i'm so busy right yep. but it was such a novel idea for me that you know john said you you had lunch like a normal person <laughs> <laughs> and it, it feels weird because it was so bizarre that i wasn't sitting eating lunch talking to someone about their problems i was just being a normal person like just you know normal meaning that I wasn't talking to someone about i wasn't on the job and i was actually eating without having to distract myself with I was I was mindfully eating for myself. Yep. I wasn't just mindlessly eating while I was listening to someone talk and eating together. Carving so. out for you, that space for yourself and, and giving giving yourself permission, it just gets right. you better and better at doing it, whether it be an hour to watch Yellowstone or, like I said, the Patriots or go to the refuge right. or, or just take a drive and go get a cup of coffee. Just take right. that drive right. and just everything's on hold for an hour or two. And I'm just going right. You know. Well, it makes a big difference. Yeah. And so and and so in my book, you'll see these big spots now where it says no in big <laughs> letters. Now all my all my schedulers have always seen that. And over the over the time you'll see the no becomes smaller and smaller. <laughs> yeah. And I use it as a visual watching through my scheduler this year of like my no started out here. And yeah. then by the time I was like, no, and it was like 20 minute window, right? Yeah. So I was like, this is crazy because visually I can see that I'm doing that. And I'm like, well, this is why. So it's, but that's so a great way get, doing it physically yeah. with an activity like that or limiting activity like that. And that's a great way to start because what happens is the more you do that, you get to the point where you can just do it mentally. Right. Where you can just, okay, no, I'm not dealing with that right now. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, and it's, it was wonderful. That was a wonderful experience yesterday. Yeah. So, and, and I'm so excited because I'm hoping that I will continue doing this because that is my plan. So as long as, you know, I stay, I, it's a boundary thing. I have to stand up and yeah. keep my boundaries. It's very important. Saying no. Because anxiety is, is about rushing your boundaries. It's about having no boundaries. Right. For, you know, from yourself, but Probably, still. Right, yeah. self, right. Yeah. And people don't, I don't think people realize how much control you have when you, ha when it's about looking at, oh my gosh, this is about saying no. This is about advocating. This is about scheduling my own time. This is about letting go of things yeah. that I don't really want to deal with. This is not taking on one more thing. Because it can't. I think and this goes back so to important. I think this goes back to the observer position. Yes. Quite a bit because yeah. your anxiety is being created by your mind. Yes. And too but. many of us think we are our mind. 
when right. we are in our mind, we're a separate entity. Right. It's a, uh, like but I people said, don't separate that out. It's a difference between uh, I am mad or I feel mad. Right. And people have to understand you aren't mad. Right. You feel mad. Right. Because and your mind is giving you a reason to feel mad. Learn to deal with that. It's like, like I said before, it's walking your dog. Right. When your dog starts barking and gets angry at somebody, you don't get angry. It's right. just your dog. Right. Right. So you, you can reason the difference. It's the same thing with your mind. Your mind is basically right. a dog. And, and and people are right. And people are very invested, though, in yeah. connecting that this, the, you know, when I do the semantics like that, which is so important because you can actually feel the difference in your brain when you change the words. Yep. Like, I am not I am not mad. I feel mad. I am not sad. You know, I feel sad. Yeah. The, what a difference in that. I'm not worried. My, the semantics yeah. of that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, but that's uh, just semantics. But those semantics matter because you are not, you know, that. Yeah. You are just feeling that way. That doesn't mean right. that that's who you are. And uh, that threat isn't owned. real. My mind is just barking. Right. Because that's what the mind's supposed to do. It's supposed to protect you. It's supposed to generate threats. Yeah. Fight or flight. Its fight job flight. is to generate threats. Right. Doesn't necessarily mean it's real, but. Right. Yeah. You know. Well, and and so it's it's interesting that you say that too because so many people and I have a, I have a client that we talk about this a lot that the um the way that they were raised was to constantly be in threat. Yep. Constantly. Yep. And that when they I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago when they go home and I've had this when you go home and you have to take three weeks away <laughs> to decompress from coming back. So this so this particular client had gone for a short visit just down the street to their house for Christmas. And they, as they put, they said, it felt like I had to take a shower in my brain for like a month afterwards yeah. because it was so toxic and they don't realize cause they don't live there anymore. They think that when they go back in, it will be easier. And, and then they go in and go, Oh my goodness. Yeah. And now they have boundaries and they have other things and they can see it for what it is. And they're like, Oh my, this is so bad. And so this person was like, I'm out. They only stayed for like a short <laughs> time. They're like, I'm at my limit. That's the problem with that kind of awareness, because then you start to see it in other people all the time and it right. really bothers you. Yes. You know, because you you see them not not practicing the things, you know, just threat generating just all the time. Just God, just looking for problems, looking for problems, right. looking for problems. And it's like, right. I can't do that. I can't, you know. And that and that's I think that's to the point of anxiety today is that people in the into the show today is that people just they they don't even know they're seeking it out, but they're seeking it out. Yeah. People seek what they know the brain likes chaos that's part of chaos it keeps the 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 system going it keeps it homeostasis the homeostasis of anxiety is still homeostasis it doesn't you, you could seek balance but if your balance has always been that i'm a, a ruminating hypervigilant overthinking worrier and a meta warrior worry about worry about worry and if i take all the worry away what will i worry about well you you have to look at that yeah. and say okay well, you wouldn't, you might buy a cat, but you wouldn't live by your dog. Right. You wouldn't live by the way your dog reacts to right. things because you have the intellect to overcome it. You can't be, you can't be that way with your right. mind because right. your mind is, is, has a similar response pattern to your dog. Right. Just everything's a threat. Well, I think that the metaphor there too is so important for people to have because I think meta, the metaphors like the train tracks and the dog are super important for people to look at so that they can generate the thought of how it relates to them themselves. Because most, most people, honestly, that I encounter in the in initial stages of therapy um, don't understand that process. And it's not because they're not smart. It's because they lack the knowledge to get to the awareness, to know that they actually have the ability to control for it. They don't have the perception of the separation. Right. You know, that your mind is doing this. Right. It's, it's not you. Your mind is bringing all the stuff to you. Right. And and so in the, in the careful point of that is often people, when you start talking about it like that, um, people then feel blamed that they're somehow doing it to themselves. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. And no, I'm not saying for you, but yeah. like people often, because there's such a shame culture around, like, right. you know, because people say, oh, it's all in your head. Well, actually, that's not derogatory because it is all in your head. And that means you have control over it. So when people say, oh, you know, my father, my mother, my brother, sister, whoever said, you know, it's all in your head. You're, you're just crazy. I say, <laughs> well, it is in your head and it makes you crazy yeah, or it makes you, you know, have stress or whatever. But it's not that you're doing it on purpose necessarily. It's that it is in your head because you're generating a storyline around it. So I actually take what the person has brought with the narrative because that's made them feel bad about it because people like just get over it. Like people with PTSD, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get over yeah. it. Well, that's not how that works. No, you can't just do that with that. You have to find good resiliencies around it to build a, a pattern of a narrative around it, to be able to manage it so that you can look at it. So, 
people with PTSD have developed a relationship with their brain that's necessary for survival. Right. And and that doesn't apply to all circumstances. Right. 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 Exactly. And so for when people say it's all in your head, you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps to someone with that disorder. One that makes me so sad yeah. to, for, because people just don't understand. But also it's um, what it's doing is it's re rerouting a person deeper into their trauma because the lack of compassion understanding that's coming from the loved one or the person that's saying that because you're so disappointed in the person for not understanding you and you feel ashamed or you're not good enough or all these things that come up that then create such a bigger problem in the whole realm of the anxiety. It's not just a, your generalized anxiety. It's, it's a complicated grieving of the trauma. And then someone is saying basically like, it's not really that bad. Yeah. So you're, you're invalidated and then you feel guilty for, having the experience that you didn't cause yourself. So, so you start threatening, you just start creating threats about your inability to deal with right. the, because, the syndrome. You know, yeah. I mean, how many, how many people, you know, and I know that grew up with, you know, you, you have nothing to cry about. You have why are you upset boys don't cry. Yep. There's no reason to be, it's not a worry. Wait a second. Don't take that experience away from someone. I mean, someone might have an experience of trauma that you and I might not think is very traumatic, but their feeling is it was traumatic. So they can have that, but then we don't have to carry it on over and over and over again. We just have to try to move forward with it or else you become the trauma. Right. So anyway, that's a whole nother show on PTSD. All right. So, so here's the takeaway tips from today for anxiety. Um, and so first of all, kindness to self and others, joy, find your joy, but also let's work on sleep patterns and take a look at sleep patterns, eating patterns, and exercise patterns, and see if you can make little changes in some of those, or one of those, because um, you can micro goal any of those things, because they all help your mental health, and and help you be your best you, which is the goal this year. I like the micro the goal you. approach, and you can do it at lunch, you can do it in right. between lunch and coming back to work, it's just, just find a little spot to make it happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Alrighty. Well, so I will see all of you happy and healthy next week. And we here in the bitter cold of Massachusetts when it was two degrees yesterday and today is 24. All right. All right. You guys have a great week and I will see you next week.